Welcome to No Small Jobs, the podcast. As always, I'm your host, Paul Newen. If this is your first time, thanks for listening in. Um, if you've been listening to other episodes, thanks for continuing on and supporting the podcast. It is a very small and personal podcast, so I appreciate it. Um, make sure that to keep up to date with new episodes, ch- link us up with Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. The handle is at No Small Jobs Pod across all three platforms. There is also a website. NoSmallJobsPod.com.au, where we put up all the episodes as well as some reflections about the uh, the podcast itself and my own personal experiences with career changes. Uh, let's dive in. Today we have Susan. Susan is a pharmacist. Hi, Susan. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Paul. How are you? Good, good. Susan and I are uh, part of a trivia group together, um, which is we sort of met through friends of friends and I've, I've kind of tracked her career and progress over the years. <laughs> Um, so let's, let's start with why did you become a pharmacist? Um, I don't think I really knew what it was when I started it, but, uh, I think when I was at school, I was doing well at school. Um, a lot of other people who were doing well at school were talking about medicine, but that seemed a really daunting, long course to me, six years, and then you were still at the bottom. Hmm. Um, and, but pharmacy was science and people um, but not such a long journey. Um, uh, so uh, also um, at that time, you could go and work overseas quite easily. You could go and work in the UK, um, which is very exciting. I really love to travel. So um, you could yeah, go overseas and work as a pharmacist instead of having to have a bar job or something like that. You could uh, go and, and, and actually have uh, career development. Like some people I know now as pharmacists um, – got the specialty that they are in because of the work they did overseas they worked in some you know the big London hospitals for example and so that idea was really attractive um and also uh oh the the fact that you could have a lot of flexibility well that's what it was sort of sold to me is that there was people worked weekends as pharmacists and had you know families or whatever and which not is not my situation but at the time as an 18 19 year old you're like well it'd be good to be able to like still earn some money if you had family or that kind of thing. So, yeah, a lot of that, that was part of it as well. And um, was there anything in particular you enjoyed about uh, studying pharmacy? Um, I think it's that thing of you getting all the geeks in the room. Um, <laughs> so, so uh, we were, you know, you'd learn about how a drug worked and uh, how it how it had its action and, and the kind of amazingness of that, that sort of you just block this and then you get this consequence and but you also get all these negative things. And, um, I mean, as time goes on, there's more and more really clever drugs coming out. But, um, yeah, so that sort of um, putting science into action and then um, seeing what it did to people, I guess, is, is um, what pharmacy kind of is to me but I'm probably now more interested in the people side of things than necessarily the sort of pharmacology um, in how um, like we know how the drugs work we know how they should be taken but people often misunderstand and make mistakes and so that's sort of what I work on now is that people side of things of how can people make the best use of the medications and um, uh, avoid the side effects minimize the side effects um, and get the best health out of it. Uh, you mentioned a minute ago that you know the combination of people and the science of pharmacy was really what appealed to you. Had you ever thought of using those skills in other avenues? No, I think in, in a lot of ways I was quite uh, narrow-minded in my um, career views. Um, I, I think I really felt like you, you had to go to uni with a job that had a label. You, know, <laughs> pharmacy, you studied pharmacy and became a pharmacist. Mm. Um, and the uh, yeah, 
the idea of because I, I did a, I had a gap year after finishing school because at school I still wasn't really confident of what I wanted to do and um, I'd you know been at school for twelve years and just the idea of more study for no you know without any kind of real focus because um, I was very I did a lot of very general things at, at school I I did I really enjoyed drama I did English I did sciences I did languages it was like and then that makes you a what. <laughs> um, and the idea of going to science and still being very undirected, I think, freaked me out a bit. Mm. So I did like that about medicine or pharmacy. But yeah, as I said, medicine was just too much. Mm. Um, and that I could say I had a, I knew what job I would walk into at the end of it. Um, so yeah, that sort of uh, definitiveness appealed to me um, as well when I was at uni, at, at start, you know, starting uni. One of the... One of the common themes that I come across in these episodes is the idea that often we discover the jobs that we just happen to be exposed to. So a number of people who enter into health fields are dentists and nurses. They often just, they spoke to the GPs or they spoke to their dentists and that's mm. how they kind of discovered it. And I kind of wonder, I mean, or do you ever wonder, do you ever wonder what would have happened if you have, you know, now that you've experienced life a bit more, you've seen mm. the world, you've seen what other jobs are out there. Do you think there's a possibility you could have ended up somewhere else? Yeah, well, I have a lot of friends who went on to do science. They were probably in a similar situation to me that they were like, mm, don't really know, but everyone goes to uni, so I'll go do science because that's my specialty. And then now they, like one of my friends works at um, uh, the Antarctic um, division in Hobart and in their PR, but her science background is useful, but she never would have thought she'd get into to PR and marketing sort of side of things. And um, so I guess maybe that, those kind of paths would have happened to me that and I guess it's more of a journey like you go into science and do something do lots of different things and over time specialize and that the the end is eventually shown to you you know what you major in that sort of thing so I I guess I would have done something like that um but um got into pharmacy it wasn't that hard to get in at the time (laughs) now I think it's a lot harder Mm. um and uh yeah so um, yeah, I think I probably would have done something like that because it just it did seem like you had to go to uni. Um, if you didn't, I'm not sure what you know. Um, it's where it, I was at school anyway. It wasn't like it was. Um, it it seemed the natural progression, and I didn't see other pathways as because um, I did win my gap year. Um, I sort of finished that year going. And I've looked after some um, looked after some disabled people. That was part of the job, but I don't know. I didn't feel like I was particularly employable. Maybe that was a confidence thing. Um, and so I felt like oh, I'll go to uni and I'll get this thing behind me, this this training, and then that will be. Then I can say this is what I am. So yeah. So with your gap year, so you mentioned you 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 worked with people with a disability. Mm. Well, well, did you do anything else? Uh, so yeah, it was six months at a holiday home for disabled people. So it was set, it was in Cornwall, and uh, we would take people to um, the like a the zoo and uh, the theme park places and and just sightseeing and to towns for afternoon tea. Um, and it was challenging. Like I'd never done anything like that before. Um, I didn't have much to do with sort of physical care, but it was challenging in like herding people to the right place and making sure they were having a good time and those kind of things with the, their um, their challenges so mm-hmm. yeah um, what made you think to do that job um i wanted to uh, well i wanted to have the year off um and heard about this gap year option um i guess i wanted to do something that was contributing rather than because people worked in um 
boarding schools as boarding school matron, you know, kind of um, or house mother kind of positions. Um, and I felt like that would not really give anything to anyone else. And I thought it would be um, a better thing to to do something that was actually helping people um, in that in that time. Yeah. So you said Cornwall. We're talking Cornwall, England. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, so yeah. Did you spend all all your entire gap year in England? Uh, uh, so I was sort of six months in. Uh, basically, no. I spent the six months in Cornwall and did a bit of travel while I was doing that. And then at the end, a friend and I went over to Europe for a couple of uh, a month and uh, and uh, got around on the trains and did our our forty hour famine around Europe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> baguettes and bananas were and uh, were were staples. <laughs> Salami was constant and sleeping on trains overnight and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, yeah, it was awesome. Um, it was awesome. Yeah, so, uh, started my travel bug. Um, thing, but yeah, I think you're one of the few people I know who actually did a gap year. You know, amongst um, uh, most of my friends and this people from Asian cultures, it's just not not a thing you do. Mm. Um, it's it's uh, similarly to your thought about entering into a career that has a title and that has a direction. Mm. You know, it is, and, and as you said, the thing you do is to go to uni. It was it was just that step beyond that is that the, oh, the, the, the next step you had to do was go to uni and if anything else was a waste of time. So I find, I, I guess... It, it is it is curious to me what what people get out of a gap year. So for you, as you said, you wanted to, as part of your uh, drive to interact with people and help mm. with people, you chose that particular job. Mm. Did you look at your gap year as anything else? Like, did you, were there any other goals you wanted to achieve with your gap year? Um, well, I wanted to not be at school and not be studying and be traveling. Um, mm. My parents probably felt a little the same as 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 you're expressing there that um my mum i think my mum said at one point no this is something you do after you've got a job and you've been working for a while like (laughs) no i don't want to do that and um the school i was at um had uh gap students come to work at the school um they encouraged the program you had to go and interview and all this sort of stuff um but yeah, my parents weren't keen, and and at this that time, my neither of my parents had been overseas, so it was you know, um, I, yeah, they couldn't come and get me, come come and fix things for me. I guess not necessarily in advance did I realise this, but what I realised it did give me is that I can probably deal with any situation. So we had you know things go wrong traveling, and we had the kind of average things of not being able to find you know getting lost and that sort of stuff, but in the middle of the trip um there was a big train strike in paris and we were trying to get a train and we it was like a night train and um we didn't realize until we were literally about to go on board the train that nothing was moving (laughs) and we had nowhere to stay um we didn't know how we would get out of paris and we had to like problem solve and we ended up sleeping on a sleeper train that just sat on the platform with permission but you know we we sort of um yeah had to think on our feet and then deal with things as they came and stick together and and you know we got out and it was fine and um but uh i think after the gap year what i felt was um okay if i get stuck in a situation i can be like okay well what do i know what do i who can i call what can i do where can i look for information and i can get into that and i don't know that it's it's not a natural thing for me but i now know that i can do that um i'm not sure i can do it um like I don't want to work in an emergency department, for example, mm-hmm. um, or ambulances, that kind of thing. I do blank sometimes in those kind of super stress situations. But I know that if you, you know, I can get myself out of 
trouble, I, I think, now. And that's what – probably that's what I didn't have as a quite a naive 18-year-old leaving home. Um, and so that's what – yeah, I mean, if someone talk, asked me if they should go on a gap year, I would say yes because I feel like it helped me grow up a bit um, and get a bit more um, – world experience um of the things won't always go right that you can't always call mum and dad to fix it or <laughs> you know um yeah that sort of thing so i guess it does depend on what you do with your gap year really if all you do is take off a year and do nothing and lays about at home you're yes. probably not getting the most out of it yeah well i was in a it was a program um they eat like this holiday home for disabled people that i went to trevanian house um in cornwall uh in wadebridge cornwall um they had uh, gap students every year so it was you know they were part of this program and um and yeah you had to sit interviews um they looked at your school marks and things like that so um there was quite a it wasn't just a, a self-made gap year <laughs> it yeah. was yeah so i guess um that required a bit more but then i went traveling and yeah so that was more just um but i think that you know probably in different ways they both helped me grow up in, in that kind of way in that dealing with people who had like significant difficulties issues um and behavioral issues and that sort of stuff that you had to learn to deal with in a and you couldn't just walk away or you or yell at them or something like that (laughs) (laughs) it wasn't like your siblings or um something like that yeah so through your um i mean particularly because you approach pharmacy with some degree of uncertainty sort of like oh this seems like the right thing rather than um a lot of uh, I, I find a lot of people talk about a calling or the idea that this mm. even if they don't necessarily end up there they start they start with a passion that they hope the course will feed mm. uh, feed you know yeah. um for you did you ever have doubts about whether it was really the path for you as you were studying it oh i think it it, it, it was quite challenging the study was quite uh, hard work so you know um it's not an easy um easy course um even though it was um it's not medicine and not the length of the same course, but um, oh, I think I was just in it, you know. You just sort of taking in the information, and I w- um, could have had put myself on a path. So that was I was going to finish that, I guess, finish that um, that that journey, and then at the end of that, I guess, make a decision. Um, but actually, when I was at uni, um, we started going to visit the hospital um, each week um, in third year, um, and that really helped me see how it could be done how the job was actually done and so that made it much more interesting so probably at that stage if I had been having a sort of dip in what am I doing why am I doing this um that actually made it more attractive um so seeing seeing how people did it um yeah so as I understand it after you finish your degree you can you essentially have two choices you can either go into more like hospital-based medicine or community sorry pharmacy uh, versus community pharmacy mm. is that right yes yep um now that some people go into, <coughs> into industry um that's an option uh, but yeah basically when i particularly when i did it was community and uh and hospital um and i chose hospital probably influenced by that that those sort of um periods at, at uni uh seeing some really good uh hospital pharmacists working as part of the team um the medical team it wasn't just putting labels on boxes Mm. um, and it was dealing with the patient as a whole and finding um, problems that other people hadn't identified that were related to the medication that might make a real difference to the patient's health and well-being and and 
avoid problems or, or, or um, stop problems that the patient had been having. So, um, yeah, so hospital was pretty much always going to be the thing for me. What do you what do you mean by industry farming? Oh, uh, I think that's um, I actually don't know a great deal about it, but I think it's like working for drug companies and that sort of thing. There's you know pharmacists working um, the medicines information services of drug companies and and that sort of stuff. So yeah, I'm surprised that wasn't there before, really. Oh uh, well, it probably was. It just wasn't something I was aware of. Actually, even um, I probably only became aware of it. Uh, in Victoria, so um, originally from Tassie, mm. um, and it, yeah, it wasn't a big thing. But it, maybe it's just because there's no drug companies based down there. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. but in Victoria, definitely it was. Um, I knew some uh, intern pharmacists, so uh, pharmacists who are not qualified yet, um, who did six months uh, internships in working for a drug company, and then six months in a hospital um, to see both sides. And yeah. So where did your career take you after uni? Uh, to the hospital that I'd been doing little placements at, and um, so the the Royal Hobart, um, shout out to them. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, so a fantastic um, hospital. Um, the clinical pharmacist there doing really interesting and uh, good stuff. Um, just being an established part of the team, and yeah, so that was um, a couple of years there, and then I moved to Melbourne to um, to work over here um, at a hospital. Um, at, at the Western um, for a few years and um, before I went travelling again, quit work and went travelling again. So, yeah, did about um, five or six years in just general hospital pharmacy uh, at that stage. So, yeah. what made you decide to move to Melbourne? Uh, my parents had moved over here for my dad's job um, and just there is more opportunity. There's only one uh, public hospital in Hobart, only three in the state. So, if you... Um, if what you know, if you wanted to try something different, work somewhere different, then there wasn't necessarily the option. Um, but having said that, because there's only one, they they do deal with everything. So mm. you know, but you know, it was exciting to think moving to Melbourne and a lot going on. So um, I enjoy the culture and sport and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, it's been a good move. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so after the Western, where did you work then? So. Uh, then so a bit of travel and then uh, when I came back I worked um, at the Alfred and I worked in actually quite a different role then um, so I'd just been previously I'd been a what we call a ward pharmacist so you you're on the wards uh, people come into hospital you look at the meds they're taking you say you know their kidneys aren't working you should cut back on that one um, they've got this bug they should be on this antibiotic and then they go home and you make sure they know what they're doing um, but well, outreach pharmacy is this thing where you actually go and visit people at home after they've left hospital and say because they're elderly they don't speak much English everyone's a bit worried about how they're going to actually manage their medications at home um, and so you go and you kind of see what they're doing and and maybe they're not handling it at all and maybe they need a local pharmacy to pack the medicines for them or they need their you know their child their you know grown up um, son to, to do their medicines for them rather than doing them themselves um, out of sort of a safety thing if they've had they might have had lots of admissions to hospital it's because they keep stuffing up their fluid medication and and getting dehydrated or getting fluid overloaded or da-da-da. so yeah so that's another a different branch of pharmacy um, that I did for about five years yeah did you know about that kind of that part of your work before you went into it not before I studied pharmacy, no. That was something I heard about um, actually when I was at the Western. We had someone come and give us a talk and um, 
they um, yeah just really opened up a whole branch of pharmacy for I feel like I've actually like you say I've, I, I would say I've been a pharmacist for all this time but actually I feel like I've done lots of different jobs because even as a ward pharmacist you change specialties you might have a different rotation you might be the orthopedic pharmacist and then you might be the renal pharmacist and then the general medicine pharmacist and they all have some overlap but differences as well mm. and then outreach pharmacy was yeah like a new job um yeah so it um yeah just that that idea of well we think that we send people home from hospital and everything's fine and actually know they they people are people they make mistakes they get confused they don't understand um and so i was that just really appealed to me of going well how can we fix this i think i'm a try to be a problem solver in in work and so um yeah try and think of ways that we could fix things or um uncover problems that 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 no one else had realized was happening in the patient's home like that another doctor had prescribed something and it interacted with all the other drugs and no one had thought to ask and the patient hadn't thought to tell anyone and that. So, yeah. I mean, we, we mentioned a few times how about values and sort of certain important things about your job that you're kind of seeking. When you were looking for these jobs as you were changing, did you look for these sort of features like the, the interaction with people and the problem solving or did it just come incidentally? Well, the outreach was a specific job. Um, so, I applied and got a job that was just that. So, I knew going in that that's what it would be that it would be um people who had maybe only had a night in the emergency department and the resources aren't there and the and the focus isn't there the focus is to deal with the immediate problem and then okay now you're fine let's get you back home but we haven't really got to the bottom of the problem and so yeah that's i knew that 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 if i took that job if i got that job that that's the sort of work that i would be doing and that really appealed to um to my brain mm-hmm. <laughs> um, to and, and also just that sense of satisfaction I think of going nobody else knew this and guess what I found out you know? <laughs> instead of putting spraying that tablet under their tongue they've been spraying it on their chest to stop their heart attack like, oh, no. <laughs> um, those kind of things so yeah and so you've since moved on from that job as well right yeah so um, just funding changed um, and I went back to being uh, a ward pharmacist but um, did some different specialties um did infectious diseases and uh, um, and then moved into uh, transplant through um, lung transplant ori- originally and now I'm working with people who've had kidney transplants. Um, but I, but it is a different role. So then I was doing ward work, um, but uh, now I actually work with patients in the outpatient setting. So it's a little bit in between um, the being a ward pharmacist and being an outreach pharmacist where you go to people's homes, they, they come to me, but I see them when they're looking after the medicines themselves and, um, and dealing with problems themselves and um, yeah, in that in-between space. Okay. We've talked a lot about the things that, that bring you satisfaction in your job. Uh, can you describe anything that you, you find challenging or any moments that were particularly challenging about your job? I won't name any names. No, <laughs> uh, yeah, look, at, um, I guess the workload can be a frustration. There's, there is a lot, uh, a lot of sick patients to, to try and help and you, um, that can be a challenge. But probably the biggest challenge is when you, um, you see a problem, you think it's a, a big issue and trying to get that dealt with. Um, and that's probably improved through my career in that um, – and I'm, I'm talking about doctors uh, listening to pharmacists who saying, 
you know, th- this is an interaction, this is a problem, the patient's doing this. Um, that's probably that the underlying tension with pharmacy and, and the, the team, but, but it is has improved over time because doctors are, I think have now trained to be part of a team. They're not the, um, they're not the God mm-hmm. making all the decisions and everyone must jump as high as they say. Mm. Um, but it's still the challenge of, of you feel something's important and needs to, and is causing a problem and needs to be dealt with. And the, um, the medical team are like, nah, that's no, we're not doing that. We're doing and, and feel like something's going to continue to be a problem because you're you won't listen to um but we are you know you're part of the team um so it's you don't necessarily have all the information and so you sort of contribute your bit and they make their decision and you have to hope you know maybe um have some confidence that they have their reasons for not necessarily doing what you what you've said um yeah but that's uh, the classic of you know not being listened to um when you're giving advice um do you think you would have appreciated some, uh, I guess, interpersonal training as part of your job? Because particularly, um, I notice in medicine, you know, uh, it's a bit different nowadays, I think, in so particularly within GP education. But a lot of the work is about how to interact with people, how to communicate with a patient, how to deliver information. And these skills aren't necessarily inherent or focused on depending on your course. Do you think you would have benefited from being able to figure out, well, how do I, you know, talk to a, a team member who's disagreeing with me or how do I explain to a patient how to do something? Um, yes. Um, I think it would be. I think um, some of the unis may be doing that kind of stuff um, about how to um, be part, yeah, talk as part of the team. But yeah, I think if it's not a, a natural skill for you to be a communicator, then it could be a challenge. They do um, uh, assessments now when you're working, uh, and part of that is. Um, is to assess your clinical knowledge, like do you know about the policies and protocols and those kind of things that your job requires. But, you know, you have someone follow you as you work and they might see that you, you know, you talk to the doctor while they're busy doing something else and sort of saying, well, was that the best way to communicate? So it's on the job stuff, but it's not, I I don't know specifically if a lot of it's happening when people are at uni, but um, I think it would be beneficial. Um, because that's so much of what we do. We might have the answer, have the information, but if you can't convey it to the doctor or to the patient, and that's probably me, my side is I'm more about uh, talking to the patients, um, then you basically haven't done anything because you haven't uh, got the change communicated and got them to understand and um, make the change you want. Mm. Do you see yourself in this job forever or do you have other career aspirations? Well, the job I'm in, in now, and since I've mentioned all my other workplaces, I'll mention the Royal <laughs> Melbourne because um, they have been very good to me. With this this job's been fantastic. Um, it no one else. This was a new position when I started, so I feel like it's still got um, ways to develop. Um, I I still enjoy it. Um, uh, yeah, but I, I I don't know to be honest. Um, I we'll see what another you know another few years it's been four years or so now in this job um and and see what sort of comes in the future um yeah but i'm I'm pretty content now with with the job that i have and the work that i do so um i feel like i make a difference um that it's um yeah that it, it's, it's affecting how how people look after their transplants and maybe helping the survival of their transplants so that's a really positive thing to me and i could see myself doing that for a while longer yeah. Um, 
one of the things that happens within uh, GP culture is that there's a certain expectation about where your career goes. So once you have your GP degree, you know, you, you, you practice as a GP, but that's not necessarily the be all and end all for a lot of people. There's, there's a lot of push to buy into your own clinic and own and run things. And it's a very different skill set. And if, if I always find that that separation a bit odd because really you're not, it's not a progression of what you already know. It's kind of something completely different. Within pharmacy, is there a push for pharmacists to do more than simply be like an interactive pharmacist? Like is there a push to move into management or any other sort of higher position? I guess there's there are specialist positions. It's probably not necessarily a push we want to do it um, because if you're uh, – um, so there's different the gradings and there's uh, – you know, I'm, I'm kind of permanently in my job uh, doing – you know, but there are – the ward pharmacists are in what we call rotational positions. So every six months or every 12 months they t- change teams completely. But after a few years you've probably been through all the teams and going, okay, I've done this. So then you – it's probably more from us that we want to specialise. But there isn't the same – career progression that's perhaps there is in in medicine in a in a a hospital setting anyway um where someone can be a director or a deputy director and still have clinic time and patient interaction in pharmacy if you go into management you sort of step away from the clinical patient side of things and i think some people really want to do that um but a lot I'd, i'd say the majority of people don't want to give that up um and that's that's a bit of a frustration that there's not that that pathway in hospital pharmacy to keep your hand in um, and seeing patients. Um, that you you either if you're management, that's what you are, and that's then you've stepped away and you you don't really go back. Um, but there are specialists, definitely specialist pharmacists in um, you know renal and oncology, so hematology, um, all sorts of specialties um, that. Uh, you can be a general medicine specialist, you know. So, so there is that option, but um, you can get to that point not quickly, but you know, within sort of ten, fifteen years of being a pharmacist, or, you know, that's when people would have specialised, and um, uh, yeah, they would. Um, sorry, they um, yeah, and then and then you're there. And you sort of go, okay, well, there's not, there's not really, apart from management, there's not anywhere else to go in terms of earning more money or uh, more responsibility. It's, yeah. Um, and then you're still running around the wards chasing after interns to write prescriptions mm-hmm. like you were the first day you qualified. So I think some people would be like, I, uh, up with this, I will not put. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's, you have to decide whether you're going to um, stay with that Um uh, stay with that patient involvement clinical side or leave it and go to management. Um, but it's not, I don't think it's coming necessarily externally so much. Are there any other paths other than management? And specialising? Um, yeah, no, it's, um, you kind of, and that's one of the downsides, I guess, to what I was, I saw initially was that, you know, when you studied pharmacy and you became a pharmacist, you were kind of there already. You, you didn't have to be, you weren't at the, it didn't feel like you were at the bottom in terms of like earning money and that sort of thing, you did like pharmacy graduates compared you know, when they do tables of how much people earn, you know, you did quite well, but it, then it, it doesn't go up mm. a huge amount, you know, um, where other professions you start quite low, but then you do increase um, quite rapidly or, or you know, um, over time. So, uh, yeah, it sort of flattens out and then you kind of have to decide if that's what you're going to keep doing. 
Did you ever end up using your pharmacy degree to, as part of your travels? Did you ever work overseas? Yes. So I worked in Ireland. Um, so that, that time when I um, worked for a few years and then went away, um, worked in Ireland for about a year and a half. Um, and that was great because um, it was when the tiger, Celtic tiger was booming and there was, there was work and there was a lot going on. The, sorry, the what? The Celtic tiger. <laughs> What's you know, that? Well, no. like the, uh, Ireland was doing really well financially. Um, I think they were getting money from the EU and they had all the tech giants were based there for tax purposes. And so Ireland had been, you know, terrible in the, um, they'd had, they were really poor and then they had the troubles and then, and finally things were going good. And then, so um, in the early 2000s and then about 2008 with the GFC splat. Um, <laughs> so I was there in 2004, 2005. Um, and yeah, it was really, I got a job quite easily. Um, I just did what I worked in two hospitals. Um, just, I didn't try to do anything particular. Um, and uh, yeah, just wanted to, to live there and, and see what it was like, live in Europe or um, uh, travel to Europe as much as I could. Um and, and being a pharmacist was just sort of a uh, money side of things. So I didn't, yeah, I didn't really try to do the thing I, <laughs> I thought initially mm-hmm. of going like specialised because I, f- I think I probably felt I knew my career then already. So I was, yeah, just was like, what you know, I, I just need a job, um, not too much pressure. I want to be able to um, enjoy myself and, um, and just go to work, switch off at the end of it, um, not have to be studying or anything like that. So, mm. yeah. So, uh, uh, early on, you mentioned how uh, at school you had a fairly eclectic kind of course load and nothing, there was no um, uh, career direction in mind. No. Did you ever have any aspirations of being anything else? Like you mentioned drama. Did you ever oh, want to be yes. an actor? Oh, well, well it's, you know, never say never. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I have a friend who constantly tells me when I, you know, tell a very animated story. Um, but, uh, I haven't done that yet. It's, yeah, it's one of those things you got to, I feel like it's something, I, you know, I don't think I'd ever be a star or anything, but it would be something I probably enjoy doing. I've done like, um, little improv things every now and then, um, and they're quite fun, but, um, yeah, it's something I think you'd do on, I'd do on the side and be quite happy to do, but, but for whatever reason, they, um, haven't looked for the opportunity yet. Um, but but yeah, always um, liked, enjoyed performing and the uh, the attention and all that sort of <laughs> stuff. So yeah. Do you ever regret not pursuing that more intensely? Um, oh, it's a, it's a. I think it's that that's like the absolute opposite of what I have done, and mm. I don't know. Maybe on my deathbed I'll be <laughs> regretting. <laughs> but it it um, the uh yeah the uncertainty of that wow i i don't think i could handle yeah that's probably um why it was never it could never be my focus i mean at at school i was you know we did the school play and stuff like that but i I felt like i knew my own limitations there i was enjoying it but i i don't think i was ever going to be amazing and the yeah that sort of constant i think like out-of-work actor or something <laughs> mm. like um the constant stress and pressure of that um yeah that seemed too uh too much for me but um i think if people who can uh, it's really brave um, absolutely yeah, yeah to because you're just constantly it seems to me putting yourself out there putting yourself on the line um and the very few make it so much um but yeah you know if um i, I have looked at like community theater stuff um even recently actually and and um, and just you know just 
putting out feelers and thinking about things. So I, I um, may it may still be something that I do down the track. Um, but yeah, I, I think I I felt like I needed to be able to look after myself, be independent, and um, and that was a hobby and a bit of fun. It wasn't everything anything seriously that I was pursuing. Mm. Yeah. It's good. I mean, obviously, uh, it seems that you essentially you lucked out because coming into pharmacy, <laughs> you had you had a vague idea, but once again, it wasn't a it wasn't some strong passion mm. to to discover how drugs work. It was just sort of well, this combines my you know, need for security, the involvement of science, and involves people. So mm. let's see how this goes. You mm. know, I guess I, I mean I ask all these questions because as um, as uh, people who have listened to previous episodes before, I uh, they, they they've heard me talk about this. I got I can't, I feel like I got stuck with medicine, mm. and that that sounds really ungrateful because obviously the job security and the money and all that is kind of, of work, fantastic. Though. Yes, but it was it was almost for me it was almost kind of passive. Mm. Like I, was, I I did it because I had the brains and mm. I am stubborn and I it's sunk co- it's the sunk cost. Uh, dilemma where I'd invested this time, this energy into this thing. Um, you know, even through high school, I worked really hard. I mm. did all these extra courses, and I kind of thought, well, why would I waste all that effort on, you know, writing if if I if I, um, if I really should make make the use of it? And I remember even in in first year medical school, there were a number of people who came into medicine just because they had the marks. They said, oh, I've got mm. the marks. I might as well use it. And even then I remember thinking that is such a waste because I, there are people out there who, who may not necessarily have the marks but have the desire mm. to and the drive to be a doctor for whatever reason, whether it's personal or to help the community or, or whether, uh, you know, it's an interesting yeah. thing. Well, you know? now isn't there a lot more um, postgraduate medicine? So people go out and do another degree or do anything else and then come back and do a, a it's a shorter degree it's um but you've actually been out in the world and and know yourself a bit more than you do at 18 or 19 and and know what motivates you and what you can't stand and um you know i i, I know a couple of pharmacists so that's um so some people got into pharmacy because they didn't get into medicine so mm. yes there's those people that would be very frustrated when they hear someone has dropped out of medicine um but they've then, uh, you know, worked as a pharmacist for a while and worked beside doctors and I guess just the, got to the point where they're like, I want to do that. I don't, you know, I don't want to be the one asking, can we do this? I want to be the one saying, yes, this is what we're, this is the decision we're making. Um, and, but hopefully having an appreciation now of of the con- contribution that, that pharmacists and other allied health can, can make. Um but uh, yeah, I think that's a much smarter way about something that's such a huge part of your life. I mean, um, maybe yeah. I mean, it's never being a pharmacist. I, I'd never have actually gone. I wish I had decided medicine. I've not regretted not doing it. Um, uh, but yeah, I see people who who it just has. They've had that passion. They didn't get it, or they didn't go for it. But now later in their career they've decided and that the postgraduate stuff is is really good I, yeah i just i mean well i i didn't know really what i wanted as you said when I, I knew this kind of fit um and it's got more attractive over time and i think i think the job has improved anyway over time if i was a pharmacist um 20 30 years ago you know you were just ticking off charts and going well nothing's changed and all the doctor decided that so that's what we'll do and 
we'll put this box on this label and off you go and mm. um, or community pharmacy where you you know you can have the situation where you know nothing about the patient you ask them what they take and they just say oh some other stuff I don't know yeah. and and you don't realize that you're setting up a major interaction that's going to have very detrimental effects on their health and I, I didn't like that idea um, I worked in some community pharmacies when I was studying and um, yeah just the the pressure of finance, the financial pressure, the business pressure seemed stronger to me than the medical and health side. Um, maybe I've just not seen it done really well, but um, yeah. Because I, I, obviously a lot, a lot would have changed in 20 or 30 years, but as I understand it now, I think it, it costs about a million dollars to set up a pharmacy, which I don't know if you've heard differently. Uh, yeah, no, I don't know, but probably, yeah. I mean, you. Um, <laughs> when I was at uni, we had a bank manager come and talk to us about <laughs> how if we wanted to set up our own pharmacy, how the bank could help us do it and all that sort of stuff. That's interesting kind <laughs> of, well, <laughs> um, but I guess they just wanted to have us informed. Um, mm. And uh, and I know some, I know at least one girl a year ahead of me um, just went straight out and opened her own pharmacy. Wow. Um, but yeah, the, the business side of it never appealed to me it's um yeah and that's so much money and it took me a long time to finally decide to buy a house <laughs> so <laughs> not even a house a flat but um so yeah that's uh yeah it's very expensive and and yeah so the financial pressure is is there every script is is valuable um it's a but i feel like it's in a strange position because you know um if if all the motivation comes from money then you spend less time on the healthcare side of things health and i mean pharmacists are being or students are being trained to know all about these interactions and the complexity and look at the whole picture but then the way community pharmacy is set up you it's very difficult to get that information you don't know about people's blood tests you don't know how their kidney functions going you don't know that this medication you're dispensing for them is actually causing their them to be uh, have low white cell counts and no risk of infection and um you just go you know oh yeah here's the antibiotic i mean you, i i think they are, they do ask but it's just much harder and there's and if you did actually want to delve into the problems um you're wasting time and time is money mm-hmm. so you know you're expected to do maybe hundreds of scripts a day to meet the loan requirements for perhaps mm-hmm. pay the staff i mean there's huge financial issues um, yeah, I don't, I don't know that I love the way community pharmacy is set up um, in Australia because the 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 shop element is so strong. Yeah, is it different in other countries as far as you're aware? Um, the only place I know it's very different probably would be Germany, um, and they have um, so uh, pharmacies are more like so pharmacies are, are shops where you can go and buy creams and makeup and those kind of things, and then an apotheker is where you go and fill a prescription and it's there's no um, signage, no um, advertising in it. It's it's very um, clinical and, well, I think the ones I, I remember learning about, um, they'd have the medicine in little drawers and mm-hmm. <laughs> that's sort of, I mean, they'd be amazing uh, historical uh, things. But, but yeah, that that was separated. So um, if you, you went to a, an apotheker to see the pharmacist and get... Uh, advice on your medicine and and they would assess things um, and then if you wanted to buy perfume makeup the, a cream then you went to a just to a pharmacy and so that was that was split a bit but I think you know the UK which asked sort of we're based on um, the US it's all in one um, yeah so it's it's 
very challenging to divide the two. Mm. So for any anyone out there who are any high school students out there who are considering pharmacy, what do you think are the most appealing points of being a pharmacist? Um, I think the um, patient interaction, um, helping people to, uh, like you know, in a community pharmacy, one thing community pharmacies do have to deal with a lot is people coming in, going, you know, I've got a rash or I've got a whatever, and and um, and dealing with those people and maybe diagnosing to a point and saying. Well, you know, you've got that. Well, I can give you this to treat it, um, or actually, that's much more serious, and you need to go and see a doctor. And so, those kind of that that elements, um, which is just, an, I guess, another factor of the the kind of problem solving side of it. Um, and the the nerd factor is is strong. Um, <laughs> you know, we um, we had a, a talk at work last week about. Um, uh, addiction to opioids and new um, new treatments that are becoming available, new forms of old treatments that are becoming available, and and how they work and and how they're benefiting people. And you had this room of you know t- thirty people just on the edge of their seats listening. <laughs> it's like you've just got all the nerds in one room, um, <laughs> and and they're getting their science on. So um, that's that is appealing. Um, to me and the, and the interaction with the medical with the team as well of um you know working out what's what they have decided is needs to be dealt with and how i can contribute to that um one thing i found when i was doing the outreach pharmacy and we were writing letters to gps we would identify problems but we didn't know whether the gps valued that information and acted on it we sort of had to rank it decided ourselves and um didn't know the consequences which isn't um was kind of a maybe a flaw to that the way we were doing it but now working with doctors day to day you know I get the back and forth I'll say oh, I think this is a problem and they're like nah, no that's not actually a big deal the bigger deal is blah 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 and and folk we need to focus on that and so like, okay well just just be aware of this and let me know if there's anything I can help with the bigger issue so um yeah so that I I um I'm constantly talking to people in my job um, and that's I think that's I really enjoy that Um, I don't think I could be in a lab and just um, you know head down looking in a microscope or something like that I I enjoy the um, the back and forth with with people whether they're patients whether they're other pharmacists or or doctors so Mm. yeah and just to finish up for any uh, pharmacy students who are about to finish their degree do you have any career advice ways to make to find job satisfaction um oh that's a good question i guess um we so we have interns this you can be a hospital intern or a community pharmacy intern um uh, i think they probably most of them would try to get hospital internships even if they then went on to work in community um because you do get a really uh, a sort of widespread training in lots of different specialties um and and that would be but, but that would be a, that's a really good thing so um i would you know continue to encourage what they're probably well aware of to try and get hospital internships but if you are going to work in community um trying to think of that uh, that the holistic thing of a patient um and uh looking for a pharmacy that does that um if you do want to get a, an internship well then continue to work in a pharmacy um somewhere that that does that well is is better than somewhere that just pumps scripts through and and uh you know is is a bit more focused on the finance um i mean we're all quite um 
I don't know, bright-eyed, wide-eyed when we first qualify and think the world's going to be good and you over time get more cynical, maybe mm-hmm. just um, try to um, maintain that sort of how can I make a, a contribution here? I, I want to you know, avoid that the problems with for patients. I want to help them be well. I want to not add to the problems by not asking the questions. And so I want to work in a place that allows me to ask those questions and um and that will give you much more career satisfaction i think than just working somewhere where you just all you're doing is checking scripts i mean that's a really important part of our jobs but um it's it's the um it's only one part that you're getting the right patient the right drug um it's got to be for the right purpose the right dosage in the right way do they understand um and yeah so i would say look for somewhere that that does actually fulfill those or if you are wanting to buy a pharmacy that you um do have those those elements in mind brilliant well thanks for coming on to the show susan much appreciated my pleasure thank you uh so uh if you like what you heard or if you uh have been inspired to become a pharmacist feel free to uh email us that's info at nosmalljobspod.com.au if you have any follow-up questions um and make sure you check out our previous episodes there are plenty of careers out there that are worth exploring Thanks for listening and remember there are no small jobs, only jobs you haven't discovered yet.